welcome to the Wrestle Down with uh, my name's Jer Palapal. Dennis Bruno, wrestling down. And we got Keaton the Kid and Cat, our mascot. He's all playing with his toy, being a little little fuzzy man. Uh, welcome to our show. This is our, our podcast for this weekly. Dennis, how's your week been? It's been really good. Uh, work is going well. I had a black belt. Uh, excuse me. I am a black belt, and I had a belt test for my karate students, and they all passed. Nice. I just got back from vacation in Seattle. Uh, got to introduce my girlfriend to her first taste of stardom wrestling. Nice. Uh, yeah, they're over lunch. We watched like a quick 15-minute match. I figured she should know because we're going to um, we're going to go there at WrestleMania weekend, their show, and I did... Uh, if she was going to be shocked at a 15-year-old being amazing at wrestling, I would rather it be <laughs> not live. Yeah. But it was good. That's good. And, of course, you and I went to uh, Evolve 123 in yes. Melrose on Friday. Yeah. What would you think of that? Let's, like, talk about, like, we don't have to, like, do the results, but we talk yeah. about what uh, impressions we had. You know? So, um, overall, really enjoyed the show. Uh, Evolve has partnered with uh, WWN and... Um, Beyond wrestling and being able to walk up to the wrestlers after their matches mm-hmm. is always really cool. Yeah, just stick around after the show. To, to I, I saw your uh, your post with Ricochet. I just left, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, right after the show, like you're saying, uh, the Street Profits and Ricochet both stuck around. Uh, I got a frame date by ten with Ricochet. Nice. Uh, our friend Brian Rock, who is in our Wrestle Friends thread, um, his nickname was Ricochet's homeboy for mm-hmm. over six months. So I had Ricochet very confusedly uh, say, what, what am I signing? Okay. Uh, to my homeboy, Brian. <laughs> and then I got a, uh, a photo with Ricochet. It was great. Are you going to give that to uh, Brian or are you keeping it? I'm going to frame it and okay. I'm going to give it to him WrestleMania weekend. Awesome, awesome. I don't want to spoil it in case he listens to this. but uh, He knows. I okay, sent it cool, to him. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was a fun show. It was. Think, like, I think Beyond is still my, like, where my heart is for independent wrestling around here, but, like, that was a fun show. Uh, we mostly went because the main event was Velveteen Dream versus Orange Cassidy. Oh, my which, God. Yeah. It, it was mind-blowing. So, like, it, the whole night was ups and downs like any show. Yeah. Uh, the opener was just okay. Steve Carino's son opened it up. Yeah, yeah. Against uh, just, like, a tomato can-looking dude, but he still beat Steve Carino's son. Yeah. Eddie Kingston cut a very weird promo that, like, and not his fault, the microphone wasn't working. Yeah, I think, like, the, the audio setup for that venue just wasn't great. No, and I mean, it's fair. It's more like a VFW or, like, a, an armory. It's not built for a wrestling show. Yeah. But it was it was up and down after that. There was a guy who looked like he was half-painted as Jack Skellington who got absolutely wrecked by Jason Briggs. Um, um, Josh Briggs. You mean Darby Allen? I do. Yeah, that guy was... He, great, though. he was no, and he was super great. It was just yeah. he was never going to beat Josh Briggs. Oh no, yeah. Um, and then the tag team match we watched with uh, Skulk and Ar Fox and Leon Ruff get brutalized by uh, local uh, Boston area comedian Dana J Vine <laughs> and um, the WWN champion, um, just a big beefy dude who right. looks like he's from Texas. Yeah. Um, basically, I thought the the pacing of the matches was pretty uneven but overall the show was great and it it popped with the main event i agree i think that like the oh what's it called the the tag match with the skull can i'm gonna look up who they are but um, right while you're doing that like the the weirdest match for me not to dwell on the negative but um you and i've been lucha underground fans you got me into lucha underground when it was airing live uh so kill shot 
uh, Shane Strickland was there, mm. and he wrestled Harlem Bravado. Yeah. You and I saw the Bravado brothers back years ago in Plymouth. Right. And I was excited for them as a tag team years back, but it's just Harlem now. And, and he was there because Stokely Hathaway just got signed. So right. he was going it alone with a shirt that said unsigned, unstoppable, which, okay. Um, but Shane Strickland was just off. And Harlem Bravado couldn't get the crowd to hear him because yeah, he, he couldn't talk. His voice wasn't carrying. Like, we at couldn't all. hear him. We weren't, we were kind of on the periphery of the, we were in the general admission section, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, such a big venue that you wouldn't be able to hear someone yelling. Like, right. You can hear WWE wrestlers yeah. in, like, uh, the uh, TD Garden. Mm-hmm. It should, you should be able to. But, yeah, I think the, the night peaks with the, uh, the Skulk versus J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry. Um, yep. Tag match. That was definitely the match of the night. Like, the crowd got apeshit hot for that. I mean, it, it was one of those matches where I, I said to you halfway through, it was like, I can't believe this match is still not only going, but like halfway through, because yeah. that was the pace of it, and we were right. Right. Uh, A.R. Fox had incredible comebacks and fire and dives. Uh, Leon Ruff got the absolute shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Um, and it, it, to the point where it felt like he was, it was getting... Um, like taken advantage of with a lot of the kicks and strikes he was taking. Yeah, but it was worth it. The payoff was super worth it, and then that was the that was the match that led into the yeah, intermission. So it made sense. Actually, and I made this uh, I made this uh, mistake um, when I talked to another friend about the show. It, there was actually the Evolve title match right after that. Oh man, you're right. And like then the intermission. So yeah. like that's how good that match was. We completely we both forgot about the uh, yeah. And yeah, the, the pacing was weird. I, think. Uh, I mean, and uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that just because Austin Theory does deserve a ton of credit. So does yeah. Batman. Uh, what's his face? Silver. John Silver. John yeah. Silver. They put on a very good match, but they put on a match after an emotional crescendo, so everybody yeah. needed a break. Right. I know. I wish that that match had been in the second half, because the yeah. second half, I think, also still had that kind of hangover feeling. Yeah. Especially because it kicked off with the uh, Bravado-Strickland uh, match. It, it, it's never caught fire. Yeah. It, it's weird that that match felt overly long. Uh, Eddie Kingston's Unwanted Stable came out and like sort of recruited Harlem Bravado, but didn't really. Yeah. Um, and then we, I think we got the Street Profits. Right. Who yeah. were who are great? Uh, Montez Ford is as charismatic on uh, in in real life as he is on TV. Yeah, and Angelo Dawkins was sure there. <laughs> I think uh, he impressed me more than he has on NXT TV. I yeah, think. that's my yeah. I think Montez Ford opens him up a lot. Yeah, um, it, it's funny. Objectively, it's not surprising that Eddie Kingston and Eddie Kingston's partner, who I did not look into at all, yeah, uh, uh, beat. Basically beat him. Montez Ford got distracted, and then they lost the Evolve tag right. titles. They did a very slow walkout, and um, yeah, just to tag on to that, I, I, after every match, I, ta- I tapped you. It was like everyone gets a story. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just the reality we live in now because everything's streaming online, so they yeah. expect you to like sign up or whatever. But, Which is great because yeah. by the time we got to the just absurd, sublime main event of Orange Cassidy, who. <laughs> You had shown you had sent me a link to him versus Cole Cabana um, in the daytime in a Connecticut ring. Yep. And so to watch him in his very Orange Cassidy slow paced way wrestle in sweatpants yeah. that look like jeans and wear aviators pretty much the whole match against Velveteen, who the guy behind us was just like, it's funny when an indie guy does or when a WWE guy does like all the gesticulations Velveteen was doing with his arms and his body. Yeah. Playing to the back of the room in a room that was not very big. Right. It was it was awesome. I know. Yeah, it was your first time uh, seeing Orange Cassidy. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Because like 
Uh, I should clarify for the listeners, uh, Orange Cassidy is not Big Cassidy. No. Uh, which uh, is a mistake Dennis made uh, in the lead-up to this event. And also, I like had to explain to somebody this morning, too, so I should probably clarify. Big Cassidy is big. Um, <laughs> Orange Cassidy. However, I should say Big Cassidy, also orange. So I, I see the confusion. Right. But Orange Cassidy's uh, his, his gimmick is that he's just a lazy, like laid-back guy. Like, he does... A lot of it is just the the character work, which I think is usually important now. Because like I think we live in a world where, uh, like ninety percent of like wrestlers are pretty good workers. Right. So the guys who have like very standout characters uh, really make it. Yeah, I mean, people who are Orange Cassidy's side, he's probably size. He's probably like five ten, five eleven, yeah. but he's in good shape. He can work. It's just it's his character choice not to, and his moniker of freshly squeezed <laughs> and he comes with a very tiny bottle of orange juice. I think he was given that by the audience actually. Okay good. Yeah G- yeah he shouldn't bring anything by, <laughs> by himself. No. People, things should be given to him. Yeah he does a lot of uh, teasing that he's going to go to the top rope and raise his arms in a triumph thing but really just he stands on the ground and gives a, a mild thumbs up. It, it's The crowd went mild. Yeah. It was oh, it was really good. Velveteen went over, as he should have. Yeah. Um, it, it was strange to me after the fact, because like, I loved meeting Ricochet. Mm. Uh, the Street Profits, Profits were great. Um, Velveteen just didn't stick around. It felt weird that like the two, the three, um, three of the four stuck around interesting. for meet and greet, and then Velveteen just beast. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's interesting. I think it might be, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe he wants to keep the, character, the mystique and the character yeah. going, or maybe just like, uh, the other guys have, like, their roots in the indies a little bit more, and he's, you know... That's fair. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess at the thing. That yeah, I mean, it's a it's an incredibly valid point. He's from the D.C. area. As far as we know, he was trained before he got on Tough Enough, the page in Hulk Hogan season. Right. And he got eliminated for loving wrestling too much. <laughs> um, that Like, that still burns me just because that season of Tough Enough, mm-hmm. they had um, the Beast in the East special, which yeah. was Brock Lesnar... You had to stay up till 2 in the morning to watch it live. Right. Fight in Japan. And he beat the bejesus out of the New Day, specifically Kofi. Right. And the only person on that season of Tough Enough, which was happening live, mm-hmm. who watched the special was Patrick Clark, who was Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan says it live in that episode. He's like, as far as I'm done, as far as I'm concerned, this competition's done. Yeah. Only one of you actually watched the show. What's right. wrong with you? And he was right. None of them lasted, including ZZ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. That was involved one two three one twenty three. Yeah, I was keep counting it because like a like a rep. But uh, yeah, <laughs> up and down show, but a good show. Like not like you know. Yeah. Um, uh, we I mean we've gone to Beyond shows in the summer of Alarmory in Providence yeah. in Worcester and we're, I I'm gonna go again. I yeah. um I messaged my girlfriend to ask if she wanted to go in June because that's Ooh. the next time they're gonna uh, Beyond is coming. Oh yeah, well they're doing a bunch of things in um. They're doing a weekly show Ooh. in starting in April. Nice in Worcester at Electric Haze. Very uh, nice. It's going to be broadcast online. It's going to be like a sort of TV show kind of thing they're trying to do. So good. That's uh, I think that's where a lot of their time is. But like, are you going? Are you talking about the uh, the thing they're doing around Daniel Hall? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alyssa and I, I think are interested in going to that too. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, and it, I mean, that's just easier to get to Faneuil Hall than Worcester. Worcester's yeah. not that far. Um, and Electric Haze is a cool venue. It's like it. With like a hookah bar normally, yes. and yeah. then they just turned it into a wrestling venue, which is just a cool concept. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm interested to see how uh, how the Fanny Hall thing turns out. I mm. think I've been to the, I, no, I think I've been to that bar, but I don't know if how that bar works for a wrestling thing, especially from two to seven p.m. Yeah, it's not a bad time slot. Not at all. I get you out early. Good time to start the summer too. It's June 9th, so like yeah. it won't be super hot and. 
uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, so that was our our week in wrestling. Uh, we went to the Evolve show, and let's do uh, what normally would be our first segment. Let's do the fast count. Uh, our uh, our highlights of the week, our favorite things we've seen this week. Uh, do you want to start with anything? Yeah. Um, my absolute favorite thing from last night's Monday Night Raw, we're recording mm-hmm. this on a Tuesday, um, was Seth Rollins. In an era where you can't hit people with chairs over the head anymore, because you shouldn't, because yeah. of concussions and CT and all that. Right. Um, Seth Rollins is the best male wrestler in the world right now, in my opinion. He, he understands his character. He connects with crowds instantly. Uh, Brock Lesnar cutting a promo in the ring. Well, I should say Paul Heyman's cutting it for him. Drew McIntyre interrupts them, which is great to kind of uh, fold him into the background of their program. Seth Rollins just comes out and beats the hell out of Drew McIntyre with chair, yeah. and then runs off Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he should look that strong. We're what two weeks away from WrestleMania? Two or three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should be. Um, I mean, I think one thing I like about that story is that he brings up the legit point that Brock Lesnar is almost lost to a lot of opponents that are very similar to Seth Rollins. Yeah, and Seth Rollins is, um, you know, made in you know opinion wise, uh, maybe the best of that style of like faster paced but still a heavyweight kind of a right. light heavyweight kind of thing you know yeah so. he, he's only a couple inches taller than Daniel Bryan who's arguably the best technical wrestler ever right and yeah so the fact that Brock's barely been hanging on against even smaller guys uh, you know makes the match uh, it, it increases the drama yeah 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 um, I wanted to highlight uh, I, before you got here I was catching up on the New Japan Cup and <laughs> I mean it's kind of a twofer, but the last show ended with two matches that could not be more different. Uh, Colt Cabana <laughs> versus uh, Toru Yano, yeah. which was maybe one of the best comedy matches I've seen since Yano versus Kenny Omega, yep. um, like two G1s ago. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun match. Just the, I, I know they had a match in Chicago, but I never got around to watching it. So seeing the, those two uh, just do a lot of funny spots that like kind of poke holes in the logic of pro wrestling a lot was uh, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing is that, um, I don't, I, I do, cause I don't speak Japanese and I don't read the subtitles. I don't know how, uh, the Japanese announcers tell through lines and stories. Right. Um, Kevin Kelly ha- keeps repeating in the new Japan cup. It's taken 20 years for Cole commander to be an overnight success and it's happening. Yeah. It's happening in all places of Japan. Um, it really, no matter what, if Cole Cabana gets really popular anywhere, it shouldn't be surprising because he works really hard and he's been around for a while. Yeah. But he's a quarter finalist in the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I was surprised too. I was, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I rewound the thing to make sure that uh, the results I was seeing uh, match what actually happened. Yeah, and like move consistency. He's beating everybody with the same move. He doesn't yeah. really like he has the Billy Goats curse and everything. Mm-hmm. He has moves that finish people, but he's just doing a a, a pin cover and he's yeah. winning. Yeah. It's awesome. One thing I, I love is that you don't see a ton of uh, Yano in solo action. Usually he's in those mixed tags that open up the show or whatever. Yeah. But, like, once you get him in a solo thing, he plays off of those, all of his tropes very well. Like, all the running towards the turnbuckle and taking out the turnbuckle pad to hit his opponent with it. Uh, the tape that he uses to tape his opponent up. <laughs> uh, I loved Colt's. Uh, taping the corner pad to the corner so that Yano couldn't get it. <laughs> and then Yano just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yano had three rolls of tape in this match. One yeah. was in his front pouch, like his fupa. Yeah. And then the other one was behind him that the ref actually did catch. And yeah. then he found a third one under the ring. Yes. Like, yeah. he, he was going to use tape. Right. 
uh, and Colgate Heat were throwing Yano's DVDs into the crowd. My God. It was, it was premium ramen. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it was ramen. Yeah. I was on my bike, so I couldn't see, like... Yeah, and, and again, it's part of what I appreciate about there being English commentary, because, like, I would have assumed it was anything, like yeah. DVDs or a smoke bomb or something. Right. And it was, like, premium ramen, which I guess is, like, a big insult to throw something like that at. Yeah. Oh, I, would, I understand that. Yeah. Or a premium curry. My mistake. Oh, curry. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Still makes sense. Yep. You don't want to throw food away. No. Um, yeah. We're just at people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Such a good match. And then also the second part of, uh, that was the, um, Sonata versus Minoru Suzuki match, which was, I think, the best match of the tournament so far. Um, I, it's funny you say that because we were talking about this today. I watched Ibushi Naito and, uh, they're neck and neck. What I would say is in terms of emotional storytelling, why do you think it was so good? Uh, because they, uh, the announcers hyped up that, uh, Sonata had never beaten Suzuki. So every move felt so desperate, especially towards the end when it looked like Suzuki could get the one. Actually, they spent the last, let's say seven minutes, uh, just each of them in submission holds for each other at the same time. Yep. Just like, who's going to tap out more first, and then who escapes, and then gets back into it, and eventually Sonata pulls off the win, and it feels so satisfying. Especially because like, they have had a fair number of matches in the past couple of years, so mm. it's, they're all fresh in the memory, and it, it's one thing that, like, I think sometimes fans get, like, mad uh, that wrestlers face each other a lot. Yep. But I think the difference is what, and the way... Uh, a company books it so that it escalates every time, and now with like it's fever pitch. I think, and anytime you see Sonata in a um, solo situation, the crowd is ready for him to break out. Yeah, like, you can feel it, and it's uh, it's just satisfying whenever he gets that win. Yeah, I mean, I I think what would be just fun for discussion is which member of Lij is really going to be the true breakout. Mm -hmm. I I think that Naito is destined to main event Wrestle Kingdom again this year and actually win the title, whether he's a dual title holder or not. Don't yeah. really doesn't really matter. Right. I think he's either going to win the G1 this year, or he's going to beat the person who uh, wins the G1 Ooh. and be that person who takes the briefcase. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Like, that's never happened, but exactly. that would be amazing. And like just to add on to your Sonata versus Suzuki thing, they're both wrestlers in New Japan who set up their finisher with submissions, and no one does that, really. Right, yeah. Um, Suzuki's Rinrei choke into the gosh pile driver, Sonata into uh, his moonsault from uh, the Dragon Sleeper, the yep. uh, Cold Skull. Yep. Suzuki is a 51-year-old angel, as far as I'm concerned, because not only did he put a Sonata over, he, his, he's reaching out yeah. from the ground at the turnbuckle because he's not strong enough to move out of the way. He knows he's going to lose, and he does right. that for like 30 seconds before Sonata actually hits him with the moonsault. Yeah. It made it so satisfying. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. Suzuki's incredible, man. Yeah. Like, he's, he's been at it 30 years, 30, going on 31, and he's, like, still working at such a high level. Yep. Like, I don't think he's ever going to get the uh, the top title no. in New Japan, but, like... He doesn't need it. Yeah, you know, he doesn't need it at all, but, like, it just it's it sucks that he won't because he's so good. Right. But, like, I'm you know, not everyone can hold it. I think that he's absolutely in the spot that Shinsuke Nakamura was with mm -hmm. New Japan a few years ago. He will elevate anything he touches, but he doesn't need it for a long time. Right. If you give it to him for a long time, it'll make that whatever he holds, the never-open title, the Intercontinental title, mean yeah. more. Right. Um, and mean more when you beat him. But, like, it, again, English commentary, adding more layers to the match, to talked about he showed up at Frank Gotch's doorstep in Florida, like, 20, 30 years ago, mm -hmm. with his bag and said, train me. And Gotch yeah. was like, you look ridiculous, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then let him in and train him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he murdered <laughs> <laughs> And then he Instagrammed about his socks. <laughs> 
yeah, the, New Japan's Instagrams are amazing. Yeah, I love them. I love yeah. them. Uh, if you're not following Minoru Suzuki on Instagram and you're a New Japan fan, I recommend it. It blows away a little bit of the mystique. I think he has like a, a some kind of sock deal to, you know, um, <laughs> some sponsorship like with some sock company because he's constantly posting about socks. But he also seems like a very sweet guy. Yeah. Which I, you would not expect from a guy who sometimes gets called a murder grandpa. Yeah. I mean, and he lives up to the title. He makes murder grandpa faces. He gets hit. Like he has old man strength that yeah. you can just see when people hit him. Um, and like time bombs get weird endorsements. Who like he's hurt right now, but like yeah. I think he's like a cologne salesman and other things, which is great for someone who's booked as a manic psychopath. I think it's. Uh, you might be right with cologne. He definitely has a lipstick or like a uh, <laughs> lip balm. Yes, he does. Uh, thing that you see the picture in subway ads and shit. It's weird. Uh, speaking of oh god, and just Lij like. I'm glad that they finally, New Japan just flipped the switch, not overtly, of just like, they're bad guys, now they're so cool that they're good guys. Mm. A man in the audience for a multi, multi-person multi tag brought his daughter, he hopped a guardrail, he holds the daughter in his arm, he extends her little baby arm out to Naito for the LIJ fist bump, and Naito just stared at her. <laughs> Why is there a baby? I don't, like, uh, the camera doesn't show it, so I don't think he fist bumped her, which, yeah. thank God he didn't, because it's Naito, he could have just spat in the baby's face, yeah. or drop kicked it, but... <laughs> Uh, I hope he did off camera. He yeah. seems like he seems like he needs the support of the fans supporting him. Yeah, but you know, even if he didn't, that's still a pretty cool move. Yeah, um, I love reading Stroud, not Stroud, but uh, Uprock's articles mm-hmm. about New Japan because one of the things that they talk about with Naito is that he'll show up in full like regalia with his tuxedos and suits. Yeah. to the untelevised shows for Lij, and the authors are always just like, "Dude's got a family. He's not home. <laughs> <laughs> He's hanging up with Lij." Yeah. No, I think he. One of my favorite things about Naito is that he doesn't. You 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 can tell when he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Like he'll show up in just a baseball cap in his gear for like multi man matches, but but like if he has a stake, he's showing up in a suit and he's taking forever to take it off. Yep, and his masks and everything. Yeah. Like there's there's a he's somebody who understands the pageantry of pro wrestling better than anybody else because yeah. of how little he does. Yeah. Yeah. Like Orange Cassidy. Like Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all the way, man. Who doesn't, Orange Cassidy, doesn't have a merch shop. I spent three hours today trying to find a t-shirt because I didn't have cash to buy one. Have you seen his website? No. It's just, it's the placeholder text where you set up a website. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like the nonsense thing that they put up on a website. And then the links are just like Facebook, Twitter, store, and the store's not a real store. It's not real. I can't buy any of his merch, which is both uh, brilliant and frustrating. Yeah. He's got one shirt, and it's the shirt he wears to the ring, and I uh, can't buy it. Uh, it's kind of genius, because if he ever comes out with merch, I'm going to buy all of it. Yeah. 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 Me too. I'm surprised, I'm surprised he didn't, like, kayfabe have, like, another wrestler set it up for him or something like that. I came up to him at, after the show, and I said, do you, like, do you take credit cards? And he shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I gotta go, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm glad it didn't stick around. I would have been crushed. <laughs> Just the one time I didn't bring any cash to a wrestling show. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Super fun. I know. So good. And that was our fat, that was our fast count. Uh, do you want to take, like, a five-minute break? I do. Just some water and stuff? And yeah. Then, uh, cool.
Welcome back to the Russell Down. We are back with our second, our, our main segment of Hot Take Mania. Hot Take Mania. Yeah, we, we actually named our segments uh, this time. That's why we didn't release our first episode so far. I don't know. Maybe we'll throw it out there sometime. But uh, yeah, so for Hot Take Mania, we want to delve deeper into a bigger topic. Uh, this week, we want to talk about wrestlers who are underserved by uh, you know, the creative teams behind them. Uh, just to give like... Give praise to the talented folks that just aren't uh, getting enough love or TV time uh, that we think they deserve. Uh, Dennis, do you want to start off with uh, you know, who you want to shout out first? I do. And I used to watch all three hours of Monday Night Raw every week, and I don't. Um, I don't have the time. I can't make the time. I don't have cable. But one of the people who I want to talk about is Mojo Rawley. Um, I've been a huge fan of NXT since it flipped formats from the weird reality show to its weekly show. He's been a guy who was down in Florida on the weekly show as a guy with just tons and tons of like positive energy. He has an NFL background, football background. He doesn't get hyped. He stays hyped. And I want to say he's from, he's from the South. I want to say Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's got a very specific candor. He's got a very specific like football physique. He has a lot of infectious energy, but until recently, I don't really feel like he had put together anything charismatically character-wise. Uh, he got put in a tag team with Zack Ryder and turned heel on Zack Ryder by basically saying, I used to really look up to you, Zack Ryder. I used to think that everything that you worked for, that you worked so hard for, championships and teams and everything else you put your heart into, and I used to respect you for that, and then realized that you're the type of guy who you don't improve. You don't look around at your failures and see opportunities to get better. You just wallow. And because of that, you've been holding me down. You're responsible for everything wrong in my career. And I'm going to beat you into oblivion because you did that to me. And it's just top shelf heel work that he's done all the way up to now. Like last Monday, he had a tape, he had a recorded segment, which we both, uh, I, I saw. I think we both saw. And I he, saw it, yeah. He just is screaming into a mirror, right? Yeah. And it's just him cutting promos on himself, which is this incredible layer of complexity you don't usually get on Raw every week. That he's not... He's got... When he comes back on TV, he's not going to be wrestling anybody but himself. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really cool concept. Yeah, it's like his... It's like it's deep into his mind. I think my concern is that the presentation is a little bit... Uh, it's a little goofy. Yeah, it does feel, it does feel like the what's it, Norman Smiley or whatever. Uh, not the uh, what the Saturday Night Live thing and um and it, uh, gosh darn it, people like you. Yep. Like I feel like every pro is gonna end like that, but he's doing good work. Right. He's all um. I want. I'm not gonna say he's always done good work, but he's no. like he's he's grown more than I think anybody. Or probably most of the roster, really. And, like, shout out to him for, like, um, just exploring his character. Like, for a while, he was just, like, a very one-note character. He, like you said, he, is, he was a catchphrase. He got, he, he stayed hype, and he did some football moves, like, charging at the opponent or whatever. Yeah. And it just didn't, uh, it was, like, fun. Yeah. But it wasn't really, there was nothing to grab onto there. But, like, ever since he turned heel, uh, turned his back on his tag team partner, it was, it's been a lot of reinvention and uh, exploring character with, that hasn't been on TV all that much. They've really yeah. uh, 
Was he injured at all or stuff like that? Or I here's what I think. I think that um, when they split up the Height Bros, mm-hmm. which is the team with him and Ryder, yeah. that they let him stomp Ryder into the ground. Like we went to Night of Champions, we watched that live. Oh right. And it it was a good enough job. The thing is that they started pairing him off with other people, like Bobby Roode specifically, and he started oh, just like right. blowing a bunch of his spots and not look not selling things believably, which is like he. Full credit for his character work, because it was magnetic, but all of his in-ring work just needed a lot of tightening up and work. So I think when they flipped him from SmackDown to Raw and he stayed a heel, they had the same reservation, because he was doing it live um, on Mondays. He was missing people. His finish right now is a running punch, and it's usually a telltale sign that they don't really trust you to do anything more complicated, and Mm -hmm. he was missing it. Yeah. So I think part of why he's just in this promo loop is that they're trying to get him better in the ring and they're taking as much time as they can so that when he does re-debut in the ring it'll be much much better yeah i think like the fact that he's on tv and cutting these promos uh even though they don't seem like they're going anywhere uh the fact that he's out there is it kind of makes me think they have some confidence in him and like maybe he's improved in the ring in the meantime that once he gets back it'll be like he'll be a fully formed uh, yeah. thing which hopefully hopefully and like it's it's something to be said that, like, the timing is we're two and a half weeks away from WrestleMania, and he's yeah. still getting airtime. Yeah. In the time that in years past used to be we're going to hype the crap out of the card, and yeah. he's still building his character. Yeah, it's, it is weird. It's yeah. weird timing because, like, when you first started doing it, it was, what, may, how, what many weeks has it been? Like, three or four weeks? Or three or four, that? yeah. Yeah. So, like, I thought, like, oh, well, they're, they're going to build up to him showing back up at the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royale, but yeah. he's already won that. So yeah. it would feel like, it would still feel like a stagnant move for him to win that again right. this year. So I don't know what the plan is, but I am very intrigued. I'm, I'm excited to see him come back. Yeah. He's also, I mean, um, you talk about, um, I think I'll try to get the promo uh, that you had us listen to uh, at the front of this segment. Yeah. Um, and I'll edit this part out because it's not necessary. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but like, we should talk about how uh, Mojo kind of uh, innovated uh, some, like, promo techniques, yep. like the, the self, cell phone uh, promo, which you didn't see happening very much, and then he just did it, and then everybody was doing it. Like, if, like nearly every 205 Live promo is like that. Yep. Um, Mustafa Ali's probably the next generation of that, because he's, guy's, like, great at the promo part, but also at the cinematography of selfie uh, videos. It's weird. Yep. Uh, it looks great, though. Yeah. Like, he did one in the raid that, like, blew me away, uh, like, back when he was on 205 Live. The Miz has done a few of them. Uh, it seems like it's a good way for these wrestlers to, like, get their voices out on, like, social media without the production of WWE or uh, dealing with a live audience wetting them to death. Yeah. I mean, they don't they don't have the risk of... Um, we talked about this on the debut episode, but um, I had a sales meet, meeting with mm-hmm. the head of market research once upon a time at WWE back in 2010. And that guy, I forget his name, basically said, Vince McMahon doesn't think focus groups are useful because his focus group is weekly TV. If he wants to see a t-shirt or merchandise get over, he puts it in front of a live crowd. They love it or they lump it. So That's actually a pretty, pretty fair point, though, for, yeah. for what wrestling is. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it killed my sale because I was selling market research. But <laughs> it, it was perfectly valid and very much an insight into how Vince McMahon and other promoters think of just mm. why why would I pay anything I don't need to when I can source it in front of a crowd. Anyway, yeah. 
as far as <clears throat> Mojo goes, not only did he innovate all of these things, um, or th- at least specifically the just the style, yeah, the high angle style, fusing himself. He disappeared from TV after, so they not only saw something of just like, oh, that's a really good idea. They stole it from him mm-hmm. and banished him. Yeah, same thing happened to Brodus Clay years ago. He came up mm-hmm. with the Hall of Pain. And oh, right, yeah. He developed it backstage, and the writers were like, that's a great idea. He disappeared, and then Mark Henry started putting people in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. The writers have a very shameless way of stealing really creative concepts and repurposing them real quick. Yeah. Maybe they just thought that it fit that character better. You know? they, they were right. Yeah. I would a thousand percent watch Mark Henry's Hall of Fame versus Brooks Plays. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, it is interesting, like, that he got, um, that he's been sidelined. It's been a while. I mean, we saw him... Oh, a year and a half. Yeah, we saw him blow off his feud with Zack Ryder at Night of Champions. That was like December of 2017, I want to say. Around there. I think yeah. it was I think it was September only because I think TLC is December and then the uh, Survivor Series. So I think... Yeah. Point being, it, it's really one of those things that the, the wrestlers work this into their promos now about how it's a fallacy to say that they're encouraged to reach for brass rings because when they do achieve, sometimes they get punished for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Uh, I was talking about it with a, a buddy you could find, Patrick, today, that Braun Strowman's getting that treatment now. Right. He made the mis- he not even made the mistake. He just got over at the wrong time because the back office wanted Roman Reigns to be accepted by the crowd before mm-hmm. his bout with leukemia recently. Yeah. And Braun Strowman was the guy that they wanted, so they punished him for it. Mm-hmm. They had Lesnar beat him, and he is Braun Strowman has lost every major feud that he's had since. And the ones that he wins, he just does cartoony things like throw people off of high things or break vehicles. So his feud at WrestleMania this year is with two comedians. I do, I kind of disagree uh, in the sense that I think that they have actually so much faith in him that they think that they can just do whatever mm-hmm. and he'll like get over whatever stupid thing that they come up with. like yeah. destroy. I mean, they made the car play set before he destroyed the car that's right. on, on air. Like, I think they're still promoting him, but they just don't know what to do with him. Um, especially after he got injured, and now it's just like a bunch of... You know, because he's still getting a lot of airtime, and he's still just being made to look dominant. It's right. just... It's a very Bray Wyatt way of booking yeah. somebody, which is not great. No, long, um, long-term it isn't, because Bray no. Wyatt's off of TV right yes, now. He's, he's not hurt. Yeah. Um... He was in a tag team with Matt Hardy, who was hurt, and is back, and yeah. Ray Wyatt is not. It, it's this weird category of, of professional wrestlers, weird in the sense that, like, they get over at a time where the office isn't ready to promote them mm-hmm. as a main attraction. Like, Ryback hit this when CM Punk was hurt years ago, uh, which, honestly, they, they were right. Yeah. Uh, he was a dude who was hurting people. Yeah. Same with Mr. Kennedy years ago, which, right. same deal, he was catching fire, but he was hurting people. And now it's Braun, it feels like it's Braun Strowman's turn of Brock Lesnar was not meant to lose to him. He was meant to lose to Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. And so they did programs with Strowman, but he never won the title. He won the Saudi blood money title, but he didn't win anything meaningful. Right. I know. I think that, I think they're, they're waiting until the right moment to crown him. Yeah. I do think there's like, they're still having faith in him. It's just not... Uh, it's just not week to week effective, but it's like one of those things where they don't want to do something with him. But I think they really they're waiting for like a big moment. I think Finn Balor's kind of in the same holding pattern. Finn Balor, yeah. yeah and but uh, we're talking about people who aren't off on TV, so we should like true. get back on uh, topic. Um, yeah, I mean Bray Wyatt's another guy who's super talented. Who I think like I don't know what he's gonna do when he comes back. Yeah, but I'm interested to see. 
Um, I'm, I'm smirking off of, uh, this is obviously an audio format. I'm smirking, here's why. Because Jer's absolutely right. I But I went to a house show um, back when he was feuding with Matt Hardy. And he had just lost to Matt Hardy. He hadn't been thrown in the Lake of Reincarnation yet. Yep. Um, so they were still trying to figure out exactly what to do with him. And at the time, I went with my buddy Amancio, who went with us to Evolve. And he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, so you know, the reason why he's not with his real-life wife is that he's cheating with JoJo. And he's buying her miniature horses. <laughs> I'm just like, that's the most pro wrestling thing in the world. Yeah. Like, not only did he sabotage his own wedding, or his own marriage, he did it with miniature horses. <laughs> uh, wrestling is tremendous and awful. Ugh. I mean, that could be his gimmick. Just buying horses. Just buying horses for people and gifting them in his creepy-ass, like, room. Just, oh, this is this horse's name, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> He just fucking, he, like, he waits until you saddle up, and he's just like, run. And then the horse <laughs> takes off. <laughs> but you can only do that on two or five bucks. They're miniature horses that yep. they can't carry. Speaking uh, of the Wyatt family, Luke Harper. Oh, I know, yeah. That's a guy who's, like, his, his upside is, uh, it's hard to define. I don't know how much mic time he's gotten, and he doesn't really have a character outside of a guy who's either uh, friends with Bray Wyatt or antagonizing Bray Wyatt. I don't yep. think he's he does, doesn't have a character yet, but like his his ring skills are great, especially yeah. for a guy his size. Exactly. Um, can I give you can I explain to you why he is Spinal Tap? Okay. Okay. I love Spinal Tap. Who doesn't? Um, I like Luke Harper. Yes. What's not it, honestly I I love him very much because for reasons you said. He's great in the ring. He He's physically charismatic, which is the whole allure of the Riot family, is they're like uh, haunted uh, hillbilly swamp bellies. Um, but when they turned him last, uh, hey, Keaton just scratched me. Oh, Keaton, hey. it's because you're lesbian bouncing the whole hey. time, so he thinks you're that's a toy. Fair. Yeah. Generalized anxiety. Anyway, yeah. so Harper is at the time turned on uh, Wyatt and Orton, and the powers that be at the WWE are this world-proven marketing conglomerate as far as merchandise goes. Do you remember his merchandise when he turned from heel to face in the Wyatt family? Uh, it was just like a... It was a tank top. I'm trying to remember if it was black or white. Spinal Tap, my friend. Oh, yeah, it was black, yeah. It was black with no writing. <laughs> so he got Smell the Glove yeah. as his merchandise, and it didn't sell because no one wanted a tank top. Yeah. That's not what I go to that WWE shop for. No, and on to, and, and a tank top specifically. Like, yeah. What would you say is the average body type of a WWE fan? <laughs> not tank top body type. No, no, like no. If you want to look like cookie dough spilling out of a <laughs> tube, then you buy the tank top. Until then, you don't. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have a way to capitalize him, but he also doesn't have a character, so you can't right. put something on there. Like you couldn't put a catchphrase or a, a logo of any kind. Yeah. Um, I guess you could put like a beard, but that's like half the roster at this point. They tried to do spooky eyes for his Titantron back when they split him off from the Wyatt family the first time, yeah. and that didn't get over because it could have been anybody's eyes. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to like to give WWE the benefit of the doubt because it's their whole job to be creative with people. If they right. don't trust them to come up with their own characters, or if they shoot down the characters people yeah. come up with, and there's an excellent special on YouTube that... Um, the WWE shot for Luke Harper, which talks about he was a, like very much like Kevin Owens. He was about to quit professional wrestling before he got the call up, 
and he had torn his ACL. He was out for like a year. He came back. He wasn't making enough money. He felt this huge obligation, um, this like, like really sweethearted obligation to his son Brody, who he talks about all the time, and his wife to support them financially with a real stable job. And then he got called up. Mm. So part of why I think they don't have more faith in him as a character is that they don't think he wants it. Like they feel like Daniel Bryan used to not want it. Well, Mustafa Ali's got the same story though. Yep. And he's near main event right now. You're absolutely I, right. I do think like, uh, even if it's their job to be creative, it's really, their roster is bloated. Yep. Like, they don't want to let anybody go in case they go out and do something bigger elsewhere. Right. Um, they don't want to give ammunition to other companies, but like it's, they can't, they just can't balance everybody. You know, the people who have characters are making it on air for the most part. Right. You know, Bray Wyatt and Mojo are exceptions, but yep. uh, for the most part, the people who make it on air are, you know, worthwhile. Counterpoint. Okay. Lana. She's not really making it on air, though. She's got, like, a speaking role sometimes to like, antagonize somebody before they face Rusev and Nakamura, but she hasn't wrestled in forever. And a lot of the things that she's doing are on her own, on her own YouTube channel. That's fair. So, yep. yeah. And her character has mostly been reduced to uh, Echo of Rusev's um, uh, catchphrases, catchphrases, merchandise. Yeah. yeah. So, which is unfortunate, but... Yeah, I know. mean... It- Rusev, Alexander Rusev, is absolutely a guy who was able to leverage almost leaving the company last year to get on to WrestleMania, so good for him. Yeah. And also has married the woman of his dreams, is basically telling a storyline by way of Total Divas about how he wants to have a kid. Yeah. And it got him a puppy that he loves. What's yeah. the puppy's name, Jer? Uh, Bundle of Joy. <laughs> yep. Literally, Bundle of Joy. And he's met Alexa Bliss's pig. Yes. Which, you know, is living the life. What a tag team! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, who else is not on there that you think like has uh, upsides that you really... Tyler Breeze. Yeah. I think that Tyler Breeze was... Oh, yeah, right. I I, I uh, confused him with Ty Dillinger in my head for a second there, but yes, Tyler yeah. Breeze. So, Ty, Tyler Breeze, like, number three or four all-time most overacts in NXT, I yep. would say. Yeah. And then he gets called up, he gets Ziggler, which is to say his debut feud was with Dolph Ziggler. And then they didn't know what to do with him because Triple H loved the selfie Titantron gimmick and the right. model thing, and Vince didn't get it, so they buried him. They put him with Fandango as the fashion police. Can you describe the awesome match that they had against the Usos? Oh yeah, that was the first tag match I ever showed my uh, Alyssa, my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, just to show what, what tag team wrestling can be. Right. Um... Basically, the the gimmick is that they were undercover cops, uh, <laughs> and so they just kept switching out into all these disguises to try to confuse <laughs> the Usos, but it wasn't working. And at one point, he was a janitor who tried to hit them with a mop, and then also uh, I remember him rolling very slowly out of the way of some of their high flying offense to just frustrate them. And yeah, that was the their biggest shining moment, unfortunately. And then. Nega's been hurt, and uh, yeah. Breeze has shown up a couple times to not do much. They they got thrown together as a tag team because the, both of them, Fandango was dancing, Tyler Breeze was a model, and they were like, oh, of course, you're fashion police, yeah. because no. WWE. I think the fashion police, they came up from them, yeah. but I think they were paired together because somebody backstage was like, ah, we pointed them and called them gay. Like, yeah. I don't think there was much good-heartedness involved no. in putting them together. Um, I also made it work. 
They have. And I also think that it's not identical, but they have very similar faces and similar jaw lines. Mm, yeah. So I think the WWE, especially with tag team wrestling, which makes sense, you put together people who look alike. Yeah. Um, specifically, from that came the Fashion Files, their tag team breakout, yeah. which, again, it's this weird WWE mechanic where they, if somebody gets over without their permission, right. which they did by just filming the Fashion Files, the whole amazing video series that you could still seek out, they got drafted from SmackDown to Raw. They got themselves and the Ascension over, who yeah. were doing nothing. Still are, yeah. Um, and are now the Ascension are now doing nothing. Fandango's hurt. Tyler Breeze for a hot second was like Seth Rollins' backstage buddy. Like he <laughs> right, was yeah. de facto third member of the Shield for a second. Yeah. And then they dropped him because they just—it's almost like Christian syndrome, where they just either don't like his face or one specific facet of him, and he right. disappears. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I think that might, his case might be partially just because Fandango's hurt and they yeah. just want to keep the tag teams together and not, uh, confuse him. But it is, it does suck for him because he's been, I mean, he's had a, he, he got the NXT, uh, highlight match against Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one time that Liger wrestled for WWE was against him. And yep. uh, now, uh, now he's just sitting backstage and he, the last time he was on TV, I think was when he lost Dean Ambrose. You're right. But uh, in a random moment that Ambrose won something. Yep. But, yeah. Town's a guy, though. Great, great in the ring, and I hope that, like, sometime uh, when they get back, I think he... Dude, I think he... Uh, I think the Fashion Police and the Revival could really tear it up if he even... Even 15 minutes right. on, like, a random Raw sometime. I mean... I, I agree with you in good faith, just because yeah. it that should work in a vacuum. Yeah. What frustrates me is that Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa just ran, randomly debuted recently. Yeah. Ciampa's hurt, but they right. debuted as DIY and fought the revival in a vacuum on yeah. Raw, and the crowd didn't know what the fuck to do with it because True. they didn't know who they were. So, but they know the um, Fashion Place, which is they know them more. Yeah. Um, so I I don't want I I want to agree. I really yeah. do because yeah. I like him. I follow the general manager battle series that he has with Xavier Woods on Up, Up, Down, Down. Yeah. Because they, first of all, that game mode is super hard and yeah. it was not built for long-term gameplay. And they turned it into a whole video series nice. of Tyler Breeze booking Raw really well and Xavier Woods losing talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you heard any scratching around, uh, that was my cat using his litter box. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's see, who do I think? I... Uh, you know who I think is underutilized, uh, not in WWE, and I don't want to be. I hate that this episode I'm gonna be like the New Japan guy, but I'm do it. Uh, I I want Tai Chi to get a title. You're right. Yeah, I want Tai Chi to get like a decent title. And, like he's yeah. a guy who, uh, in if you don't watch New Japan, Tai Chi is a guy who. Uh, the way I would describe him is that he is a guy who has based his character on like an RPG boss. <laughs> like he shows he comes out with this epic music. He's he's karaokeing to it with a big old mic stand. He comes out with uh Miho Abe who's a a, a model. He's beautiful. Uh, yes. A beautiful model who comes down with him. Uh he's got these elaborate robes and masks and shit. But I also think that his character it's all just to cover up how insecure he is as a character because right. he as soon as the match starts he just starts cheating and stalling and trying to figure out a way to just distract the referee to hit um, the the opponent with like the four or five foreign objects that he carries, including what now? Uh, an iron glove. Yup. Uh, 
with magical powers yep. uh, <laughs> that he got from uh, the uh, a retiring member of his uh, faction. Uh, the, the mic stand, sometimes Mio Abe is, gets in, uh, involved. But like, I think he puts on good matches, and I think it's a very interesting heel character that uh, doesn't really get much momentum. He like yeah. shows. He's like one of those guys who shows up in uh, New Japan's tournaments and then like loses in the first two rounds. Yeah, and then who knows? I think he's he's still in it for the New Japan Cup right now, right? Yeah, he's gonna fight Tomohiro Ishii oh, okay. uh, well, this then. morning, basically. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, it was nice seeing him in the the title for the run. Now, yeah, um, what could be. The, the thing that they do is he could beat Ishii so that Yoshihashi and Taichi have, like, a face heel dynamic. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Um, Ishii, they don't have anything for. And yeah. that seems like that's perpetual just because he keeps doing stuff with uh, England. Yeah. But I would love to see him again. Uh, can you talk to about Yoshihashi and his weird, like, underdog storyline that has just bubbled up from okay. the New Japan Cup? Uh, the best description I've heard of Yoshihashi, and it's not me... Uh, I can't remember who it was online, but it looks like he looks he looks like the dream that you have where you didn't study for a test, but you're going to take this test, but for a wrestling match. He, come, <laughs> he comes out, he just, he looks nervous yeah. and like, he has he's kind of the mirror image of Tai Chi. He's got all these robes and I think my impression of him was that he was supposed to be some kind of wizard. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, I think he, he has this long pole that yeah. I think is m- modeled after, like, the uh, Japanese Chaos Monkey God. Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. But, yeah. There's that. He's got giant ropes. He used to have long, sweeping hair. Yeah. That was very elaborate. <laughs> uh, but now he's shaped it down. And, like, he just... I think it's partially also because I think he looks older than he is. Yeah. Like, he's... They're both about 38, but Taichi looks 38. Uh, I would... I would have guessed, like, 40-something for Yoshihashi, no offense to him. Right. But, like, just, but, like, every, uh, every tournament he gets in, it's just, like, it's a very low-stakes drama of, like, like, for the New Japan Cup this time, his storyline going in was he's been in a bunch of these tournaments, and he has never won a match. He's always been eliminated in the first round. Can he win (laughs) just one match? And he's won two so far, though the first one... The first one, the announced team was like it was against um, I can't remember his first name, but uh, Nakanishi yep. was the he was a, a much older wrestler. He, he's old enough that he, he wrestled in WCW yep. way back in the day, and I had no idea that he was still around. But he he was in the New Japan Cup, and it was uh, Nakanishi versus Yoshihashi, and the announcers were basically telling the story like, well, Yoshihashi should win this one, but you never fucking know with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like especially the. The English commentary, again, I really, I, I should do some more homework on if the Japanese team does this more, but they basically say, like, he's a walking embodiment of, like, inert potential. Yeah. He's never realized it. He's never put it all together. He shows flashes of what could be, like, another Rainmaker Okada or yeah. another um, Ace Tanahashi, but he can't do it. He's just, he's flint and he's stone, but he's no spark. Yeah. And that's actually a good call because I would like to see those two, like, have at least a match, if right. not like a program over, I don't know, U.S. title or something right. like that. Something, some low-level title. They never title maybe. I don't know. But it, like, yeah, yeah, they're they're both in that. They're like opposites. It's kind of weird that they don't really face off that much. Maybe, maybe in the tournament this time, maybe the G one. Right. Both of them could get in there. I 
I I want to see so it, it's something in New Japan uh, just to help tag in with the New Japan stuff. Yeah. He uh, Yoshihashi specifically is like number one of three people I think are a sleeper agent in Chaos for Bullet Club because mm-hmm. that's something Jay White's talked about a bunch of times since yeah. winning the title and before. I think it's either him, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, or Goto because mm-hmm. those are three dudes who have never held the top title and yeah. everybody says why haven't you? Yeah. Mm, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Interesting way to look at it. Uh, do you have anybody else that you think uh, serves a shout-out who's not... Uh, Eric Bugenhagen. <laughs> every episode. Okay, every episode. Like, we... I have no idea what we're doing with the first episode. I sent it <laughs> up to Pat. I am, you know... I don't know if I want it to be the first episode, <laughs> but if we do, if it ever gets uh, released, you'll know that we love Eric Bugenhagen. So much. Here. Yeah. Oh, the Boogs. Yeah. We're on a Boogs cruise. I feel like it's a, it's a very, uh, it's very true to our dynamic that you're a big fan <laughs> of Eric Bugenhagen, and I'm a very big fan of Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I mean, we both like both of them, but I think one we each identify with each of them a little bit more than the other. I, I, I'll say it again, only, and I don't, I won't go into the same length, yeah. but I watched Bugenhagen. I, I absolutely watched his offline video that the WWE recorded. <laughs> At least 50 times, because I, I watched it a dozen more times after we talked. I could imagine all of his booking, yeah. all of, and I don't, I can't imagine that for people, clearly. But just, like, he call, he get called up, yeah. he wrestles Elias immediately, because he should. Right. They should be polar opposites, but connected by music. You shuttle him over at NXT, you pay just Chris Jericho all of the money, <laughs> and Jericho promotes Fozzie and fights Bugenhagen. Why won't you, uh, oh, I, it would be perfect. Honestly, the only way it could be more perfect is if he got released yeah. and then wound up wrestling on the Jericho Cruise. Oh, it would be perfect. Him, <laughs> see. Yeah, him against Dalton Castle's uh, oh. Cruise character, who yeah. I forget right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, did you notice that he was in... Uh, he, he Has he been back since that one match? No. I um, haven't watched NXT consistently. There was another offline video where he plays the air guitar with a stuffed llama <laughs> uh, around the NXT ring. He's wearing different gear. I, I, God, I paid attention to all these details. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, he got over on his own, they're going to kill him. Yeah. And he didn't get on air again recently, but um, Mauro Ronaldo is a, da- a damn delight. Yeah. And, and also just like somebody who has like a Showtime special about living with bipolar. Mm-hmm. So that's absolutely Mauro Ronaldo. Like he's not a trumped up character. He's just really excited to be here all of the time. Yeah. And he plays air guitar and does the Bugenhagen scream with Bugenhagen. <laughs> uh, and so does Percy Watson. Delightful. And in the background, Nigel McGuinness is beating Mauro Ronaldo with a, a with an invisible guitar. <laughs> it's the most charming freaking thing. Uh, Seek out this video, please. Yeah. I think they're... I think everyone's high enough on him. I think the reason he hasn't been on TV is because NXT tapes like four episodes in a row. Yep. And maybe because like the I don't I haven't looked too closely on if he's in the next batch of episodes, but they are ramping up to a takeover, so they they have limited time. But oh yeah, I think there's they're high on him. He even he snuck in a little bit um, during a confrontation uh, at the performance center between. Uh, Donovan Yep. and Keith Lee. Right. Uh, so, like, you know, they're, they're sneaking them in there the way that they've snuck on those random NXT people that uh, they called up six months ago and haven't done anything with, who were all very talented and right. serving of this segment, by right. the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I have faith that Nikki Cross will do something soon. I There's an, there an article and there's a, another, like, I feel like... 
in the in absolutely the background that uh, Triple H is either engineering or a team that he has conscripted are building this online identity yeah. for everything WWE. They're gonna, I think, in five years they might flip WWE branding to NXT branding, mm. and everything will either go digital or will be heavily pushed to be digital because mm. a lot of their long term storytelling is flipping to stuff like you said, Mustafa yeah. Ali's self shot videos, right to um, like WWE produced like insider videos. Like yeah. those are the footage they didn't want you to see, which right. is always weird when it's them. <laughs> yeah. But they did that with Nikki Cross. There was an article about like, he, she's going to feud with Alexa bliss and Alexa bliss is going to be hosting WrestleMania this yeah. year. So she's probably going to have crazy cat lady, Nikki Cross coming after her, right. which is really cool. I always wonder if it's like, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. I always wonder because like, uh, a lot of times you'll see, wrestlers twitters bickering at each other and then becomes a match yeah. a couple days later and i always wonder if it's just the creative team sees these people interacting online they're like oh that would be good right and they throw it online or if they you know come up to them that show before like hey you guys can tweet at each other a couple times uh the the week we can build this match uh without using airtime uh counterpoint okay lana <laughs> i think 100 percent. i i am sure <laughs> Now, Lana is just throwing oh, everything at everyone, and somehow, <laughs> I haven't read the article, but she's currently, as we're recording this, embroiled in a feud with uh, Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> which, you know... Why not? I, yeah. Book it. You know, you get... Yeah, all, all publicity is good publicity. Oh, um, I would... I, I think you she overshot uh, wrestling in that case, but... Um, and I'm not... It's a, it, Have you read about it? No. Like, it's something about who is, like, beautiful enough to stop traffic or some shit like that. Well, of course. Yeah. that's what's important. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. Um. I, I love that she got into a Twitter beef that immediately she lost with Aleister Black. Like, <laughs> of all the people in the world, like, this is a dude who's not only character, but real life is, yeah. I don't care what you think. Yeah. I don't. So immediately she got just torched when she, uh, tweeted at him. Yeah. Uh. I think, like, some people were saying that uh, Black came off as a little body shaming in that, so it wasn't a total... It was a little bit of a... Okay, 99 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, still, though, yeah, I think... She, I, I definitely think there are definitely wrestlers out there who are just shooting their shots, trying to get on air yeah. somehow. Yep. Uh, but I, I also think that the ones that become matches might also be a little bit of, like, backstage finagling. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? You know, that's the fun part about wrestling. You're always guessing. And, I mean, in the era of social media, which, thank you, CM Punk, for creating it, mm -hmm. um, you have wrestlers like Maria Kanellis, who I, I follow a crap ton of people on Instagram. Tama Tonga, mm -hmm. everybody. Uh, all across every every fed. Yeah. And one of the last things I was scrolling through, like, Maria Kanellis, I was like, oh, I haven't seen her on TV. I don't watch 205 Live. I know yeah. you do. Yep. Um, but she started like hashtagging like women of honor and mm. other things. And I'm just like, I get that you don't want your job, <laughs> but like, dr like dress for the job you have kind of goes hand in hand with stop trying to get fired. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder, that's interesting because they're, they're, they're still getting spots on 205 Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that if they're trying to keep them or if it's just like, that was just their plan and they're sticking with it no matter what. I think that, so, for, um, What's his face? Uh, her husband, um, uh, Mike Kanellis. Yeah. 
who he's from Boston, and uh-huh. like we saw him in Plymouth. Right. He was the prodigy at the time, and he looked like he was going to be in like a year or two ROH champion. Yeah. Um, it never happened, but it didn't really matter. I feel like um, like I'm happy for the two of them that I've, they've gotten married in real life and they're going to mm-hmm. stick together. But he's he's like Rusev. He's never going to get over because his wife won't stop publicly complaining mm-hmm. about the things she doesn't have. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance of that that kind of thing is just like them playing around with the rumors that exist though? I do. I think like, the revival would owned up to that as much. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. they trademarked FTR, which is fuck the revival. Yeah, and I, I think, thought it was follow the rules. Nope, oh, fuck okay. the revival. It's Cody Rhodes uh, oh. burying them for a year because he thinks the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world oh. when the revival were NXT tag tag champs. They, I thought it was follow the rules because they spent like an afternoon explaining tag team rules to which was very useful. I learned a lot. Yeah, um, no, they got layers. Yeah. Like they're they're both very smart and students of the game, etc. Yeah. But I think that uh, with Maria Canella specifically, yeah. she's got a history of saying like the Bella Twins got her fired and the Bella mm-hmm. Twins didn't want her to come back. Yeah, she's savvy enough having worked for now the WWE, TNA, mm-hmm. Impact, ROH, New Japan, and every indie in between to know that her value goes up the more people want to talk about her yeah. and are talking about her, which, which is, is true of everyone, really. Yeah, it's why Apollo Crews is worth uh, a glass of milk. <laughs> oh, but he flips a bit. He, he was he was such a hot commodity in the Indies. Ooh-ha, nation. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, he's... I would say that he belongs in this segment, but he has been getting TV time yeah. and he's slowly... It was... He got over on one segment and then uh, they haven't really used it for him for much, but... You know, I think eventually something's going to click. I can't believe I'm going to advocate for this, because yeah. uh, you were a huge fan of this as it, as, as it was happening, and then everybody organically cooled off. Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Was gonna, I was going to, I was thinking about him uh, before uh, you came over. I think, yeah. like, I don't want him to be, like, world champion again. No. But, like, the precipitous drop that he's had from, like, six months as world champion to, like, nothing yeah. is so... Like, used his you know, history as a winning champion, right. to, you know? Here, Here's the scary thing yeah. that... And it's scary to me, because, like, cisgendered white guy, I, I got privileged. I am somewhat aware of it. Here's what I think absolutely happened in the writer's room from SmackDown to Raw. Mm. SmackDown, they had the time to focus on some... Th- which is crazy, because they have two hours yeah. instead of three. That they had the time to really flesh out different things. It was mostly just like the Singh brothers interfered, so he won matches. Yeah. They wrote some pretty racist shit about Shinsuke when he uh, feuded with him. Yeah. But he had a voice. Like, he had a consistent character voice that carried all the way through his programs with AJ Styles. Yeah. He went to Raw and he started saying Shanti again. Yeah. Which is the stuff he was saying before he got right. his push. And it's the catchphrase that, like, he and Alicia Fox repeated when they were in the, the Mixed Match Challenge. And now he's not doing anything. Yeah. And I I legitimately got upset at the time that he got the title because I felt like he just worked out a ton. Yeah. And that's why he got it. But also, he worked out a ton and deserves to get yeah. some kind of credit in a company that values that. Yeah. I think he was improving the ring towards the end of his run, too. Yeah. I, like, I liked his match uh, that we saw where AJ Styles won the title from him. Yeah. Uh, I liked that match a lot. And uh, then he... I also think that's a situation where I think Raw's writers aren't watching the other shows. No. I, uh, so they just got this thing that they, you know, in air quotes, knew. Right. And they just put it back out there, which is unfortunate because, you know, he's, he, as a former champion, ha- should have some stature that should be used. So even just to put over other guys a little yeah. bit, um, 
He got a little bit of that last night when he had face ricochet, but really he's more or less a non-entity, which is too bad. And 100% confirmation of sometimes they should go away. Can I say a name? Yeah. Kona Reeves. Oh, yeah. I forgot who yeah. it was. Until... Yeah. That, yeah, that, that wasn't an editing pause. Yeah. Jared couldn't remember. Yeah. Because no one should. Yeah. You want to explain what his gimmick was? Because I'm, I'm vaguely thinking, like, I thought he was like an 80s drug lord or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's accurate. If anybody's yeah. seen Blow with Johnny Depp and yes. Dennis Leary... It's the closest thing you could describe his look. Mm. The best way I could describe it was imagine if the Million Dollar Man was born in Hawaii and didn't watch wrestling. Mm. Um, had no idea how to do it. Uh, basically decided that all of his like really long, lanky body motions yeah. were going to be like diving into a swimming pool all the time and then hitting people with his fist. <laughs> Terrible. I think the best summary could be that he went wrong by going with Johnny Depp as drug dealer instead of Al Pacino. Correct. Which is the classic. You know, That's why everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, Razor Ramon. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I would like to shout out here that uh, deserves more airtime. I guess, like, uh, oh, you got one. Yuji Nagata. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he, like. I mean, this is a guy with years of, yeah. like, of like top shelf runs. Yeah. He's got something right now that guys don't. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I feel like because he's had those top shelf runs that like he's where he should be. He's right. in that Suzuki role, kind of. And the thing is, I I agree with you. Um, Randy Orton is absolutely his analog in WWE. Yeah. Orton has done everything possible in WWE. The only thing he hasn't done is had like a legacy run, haha. <laughs> but like he hasn't had like a Legends part time contract. Yeah. Um, the way that like Yuji Nagata kind of does right now with his uh, Blue Justice, but. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely an advocate of strike when the iron's hot as far as wrestlers just find something in small bursts. And yeah. Nagata's not your guy. He should like they, they put the title on Tanahashi to give it to Jay White. Yeah. They shouldn't take the title off of Jay White to give it for Nagata. Of and, course, yeah. But he could also like he could heat up Osprey. Yeah. Osprey's absolutely a dude mm-hmm. who's looking for the next person to beat because he beat the crap out of Ibushi. That's a good point. And he doesn't have anybody right yeah. now. He's gonna fight Okada in the New Japan Cup, he's probably gonna lose because Okada's probably going to win the cup. Right. I think it's either him or Zack Sabre. But Osprey needs that, like, signature win the way mm-hmm. that, like, Orton needed McFoley to beat when yeah, he true. was transitioning. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think he's mostly... I'm under the impression that he's mostly working with the Young Lions. He is. Which, you know, it's, yeah. it's also an important thing. Um, but yeah, he should be able to have, like... Uh, Osprey's still the never title. Or so they, that would be a good yeah. match, you know? Uh, I, one more quickly. Yeah. Bad luck, Vale. I disagree on that one. I think okay. we're we plateaued on where or what Vale can really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the reason I bring it up yeah. is that I mean, you and I could uh, we could talk both infinitely and zero about yeah. the Bullet Club Civil War that never <laughs> happened, Oof. and the yeah. fact that like the person who really should have been the people who should have been on either side were Omega and Tamatanga. Mm-hmm. And Fale should have been the heavy, and yeah. Omega should have had Ibushi as his, like, lieutenant, and it never happened. Yeah, I know, it, it was weird. Yeah. It was super weird how everything kind of just petered out, and then uh, kind of just had to go away because half the people went away. Yeah, but, I it, it absolutely read, like, Omega, before he won the IG, I, IWGP title, had all of these cross-promotional ideas he wanted to do with New Japan, and figured once he won the title, he'd get them through, and then didn't. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, my, my thing with Fale is that he's, 
he's not that great a big man. Mm. So it kind of just like a lot of the matches where he's around, it's just um, Keaton's. Uh, if you hear that, <laughs> Keaton's litter box, uh, his self cleaning. Yep. Uh, I spend the money on my buddy. <laughs> um, but I think he's just like he's the guy who's perfect for that. Like uh, throw him against Will Ospreay yeah. or um, Okada or Tanahashi in like an underdog role, but. I don't really want to see too much more of him at any given time. I I think that he's one of those guys that is a living embodiment of New Japan booking, respecting the finish because yeah. no one no one kicks out of the bad luck fall. True. Um, he, you're you're right. He's not athletic. He's not mobile. Yeah. And he's gotten older and bigger. Yeah. Um, in a lot of the ways that like the Islanders do. Um, but I think that he brings so much to just a presentation that mm. a lot of it's the same way that in the WWE, there's a lot of guys who wear black trunks and are white and have great abs. Yeah. Um, which is to say Finn Balor is the champion of all of that. Right. But in New Japan, you've got a bunch of dudes who look very similar. Not right. to be racist about it, but like all the young lions purposely true. all look alike. Right. And you got Fale, who does not look like anybody. That's true, yeah. Yeah. All right. He's... The thing... Oh, God. Breaks my heart because like I, I do like having uh, a heel gaijin big guy. And, like, the next one for that would be Michael Elgin, and I don't really want nope. that. So, nope. It, it makes me angry every time he's on screen. Yeah, big yeah. ass. I, I skipped his match with Okada. Good. Um, yeah. But, I don't know, if they can sign Jeff Cobb away or something like that, that would be, you know. I, I can't believe they haven't, because yeah. he he wrestles for them when they come to California. Yeah. And there's always the tie-in with Ring of Honor when, he, when he's involved. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's a guy who, hopefully, they can... Get him for some like even a even a limited run would be nice. Oh man! Yeah. How about just like in just as far as the industry in North America goes, mm-hmm. Jay Lethal? Why the hell is he still in Ring of Honor? That's a weird one. Yeah, I don't know. Like he he is one of the most talented wrestlers who has never worked for the WWE. He did pretty much everything that they were going to do with his character and impact in TNA, right. and then he came back, made good, and, and has been like. The, the staple of ROH. I know. It's, it is weird that he's still there. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where every time I see it, he's still there, I'm like, oh, huh, he should be uh, out somewhere else by now. And, but, like, because guys go back there and sometimes they never leave, yeah. but some guys go back there, it seems like they never will, and then they're Christopher Daniels or Frankie Kazarian where they just heat up with uh, SCU and then yeah. they get signed to um, AEW. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It is uh, strange. But yep. We live in a world with uh, probably I don't want to say too many talented wrestlers. That's impossible. Right. We've got so many that like there's just not enough spotlight to shine on all of them. And we I hope that we've done our uh, our our part in uh, showing off some some light on some people who probably are a little underappreciated these days. Yeah. Only only because I don't follow Lucha, I would love to see more Dragon Lee in the companies I do watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know, me too. Mine. I know. Yep. Um, he's honestly one of the. I mean. Listen, once they announced that Orange Cassidy was doing his own show, <laughs> WrestleMania weekend, I was like, the money that I was going to spend to see New Japan and ROH at Madison Square Garden, it's going to go to that. Yeah. Now. I can't, like... And I hope he has merch this time. <laughs> I would hope so, too, at a show that he's advertised for. But who knows? Like, it seems like just whatever happens is whatever happens around that guy. This isn't gonna. This isn't gonna be what happens. Yeah. But here's what I would love: pie in the sky for uh, Orange Cassidy's show. They can't open the venue, <laughs> and we tailgate. 
Um, that's it. Yeah. I, I hope that it's just him in front of the doors and he just shrugs every time someone asks him when the show's going to start. <laughs> and the, the, the match with John Gresham that's advertised uh, just happens in the parking lots. Or just Gresham leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Gresham's like, I came here to wrestle, I gotta go. That's true. We got, he's just like, oh, I, there's 300 wrestling shows WrestleMania weekend. I gotta make it to another one. Right. Uh, thanks anyway. I'll see you guys later. Oh my god. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, so, Jer sent a spreadsheet of all of the wrestling shows that are, and it, like, WWE included, gonna be happening. It's yeah. it's a ton. It's yeah. it's too much. It's too much, uh, absolutely. And the, the craziest thing is, I think, uh, uh, is it, Powerbomb TV or something like that, or like at broadcasting most of them. Yeah. Uh, for like you know the cheap price, I'm not uh, subscribed to them, so I can't really watch them. But uh, right. I think uh, we should probably, let's talk about like what we're doing WrestleMania weekend anyway, because like yeah, I'm not sure uh, if we'll have time to record before that. Maybe we'll do a preview uh, show before WrestleMania weekend. We can like preview the preview show. Yeah. Because uh, I think I'm going to get to town. Uh, probably I have to get to town before you because I'm going to see Stardom. Uh, their U.S. show at 4 p.m. that Friday, and you're going to? I'm going to, uh, that Friday, I'm going to NXT TakeOver, which is going to be headlined by Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Uh, sorry if that spoils anything for anybody. Yeah. But um, I, w- I just won't list the stipulation, but it's the best stipulation I could hope for. Um, I'm going to watch Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijak, I believe. Yeah, uh, that hasn't been confirmed yet. But. Yep. It's going to be Bianca Belair and Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler in a four-way, yeah. which, oh my God. That's going to be amazing, yeah. Um, Velveteen's going to fight Matt Riddle, which, it's a combination, like, it's like chocolate and peanut butter before they ever kissed. Yeah. Like, you just, you never thought they would be amazing or that you'd wanted until it happened. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait for that. I have the biggest hope in my heart that Eric Bugenhagen is in mm. the part that doesn't air, and he just air guitars in in the venue the whole time I feel like he's a he would be a hot entrance oh like for God. the uh, the pre-show that winds up airing after takeover that's a, that's exactly what I want yeah um, I think the and the War Raiders are gonna fight oh my God they might fight the Forgotten Sons I I think they're gonna fight Black and Ricochet but they might fight the Forgotten Sons if that happens you genuinely can't remember that's how forgotten they are exactly and if that is what happens I'm happy for them because Wesley Blake's been putting his time in Steve Cutler's been working hard as yeah. a former Marine if they fight the War Raiders I look forward to watching the first decapitation in WWE <laughs> where the, the Vikings just rip their heads off and parade around with them uh, I look like yeah. Theon Greyjoy I'm into some mutilation I've had All right. to alright and then uh, God I can't <laughs> I'm very interested to see. I'm interested to see how this plays out because, like, you'll be at Takeover and then you'll get out of there at like 11 or so. Yeah. And then noon the next day. <laughs> like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna be done with Stardom at six o'clock. I'm yeah. gonna watch t- Takeover uh, from the comfort of my Airbnb. Yeah. And then I'm gonna sleep and get up. You guys gotta like. Ah, good luck. Uh, noon the next day, we're going to see. Uh, GCW presents Orange Cassidy is doing something or whatever. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that is the name of the show. It's so good. Uh, Jersey City. And, uh, the link works. Like, yeah. that, that was the very first thing I asked you. <laughs> I was just like, please tell me that the link is real. Because yeah. the URL is hilarious. Yes, the uh, yeah, the, t- the URL is maybe whatever.eventbrite.com. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it works. Yeah. We, can buy, we bought tickets. Yeah, we all we have we have our tickets. So Dennis has to show up no matter how tired he is. I'm gonna. Yeah. And the thing is, I will be at the exact same energy level as Orange Cassidy. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> just divine. Oh, I think half the crowd's probably gonna be the same way yeah. because I, I'm sure everyone's gonna be a takeover. I mean, and, and be, yeah. So that's Saturday. I, I haven't planned for it. I'm gonna do that night, but. Mania at this point is shaping up to be a seventeen match card, yeah. probably more. Right. I'm my plan is that's my rest day. Is yeah. <laughs> Mania itself? I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> rally by the time the main events happen because I really want to watch Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. I really want to be aware for Seth Rollins and Lesnar. Yeah. And then I'll uh, take a nap when Becky Lynch wins. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna basically start spending the rest of our lives at WrestleMania. This has been the Wrestle Down. Uh, hope that you have enjoyed it. Uh, if you uh, want to subscribe to a thing? I'll have that information some other time. Sweet. Uh, Bow to your sensei, everyone. All right. Uh, this has been Dennis Bruno, Sensei Denny B at uh, Twitter, and I am Jeff Loppel, twitter.com slash swing dangling. Uh, <laughs> have a good week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>